call to community, the call to be gathered in Christ, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. It's like you have to deal with your mother-in-law in in the same church, you know, (laughs) and you have to deal with that in a Christian way. And that means forgiveness, growth, and patience, sanctification, which often is uncomfortable. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is Every Moment His, a podcast devoted to taking the sermon and applying it to the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the Saturday. Especially the Saturday. Especially the Saturday. For your life. Right. Especially the Saturday morning when you're trying to sleep in. Yeah. (laughs) People are knocking on your door. That's right. I need something. How does the gospel apply to that moment? (laughs) It definitely applies. You just have to find it. So... (laughs) All right, so uh, we are going to take a look at the sermon preached. Who preached this past Sunday? It was you, my friend. Okay, it was me. Yep. And, and so you were you were preaching about um, Jesus, and he you brought up that great word splagnizomai. I love to say splagnizomai. Yeah, it's just so many strange syllables together. <laughs> yeah. Splagnizomai. It kind of sounds like spleen. Yeah, it does. I wonder if there's a connection there. It may be in the in the language. Yeah, but spl- so splagnizomai means a deep compassion. Deep down in the guts. Yeah, like you, you felt it at the bottom of your heart, maybe. Right. We would say in, in English. In your kidneys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I, yeah, I, felt, I feel for you in my kidneys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that should be a new greeting card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for, I mean, the bottom of the heart is good, but if you really, if you the, really care. The bottom of my kidneys, I miss you. I yeah. love you. It's yeah. like my gallbladder really felt for you <laughs> okay yeah there's there's a lot of market room there yeah and so we started a new sermon series too called rooted that's right rooted in christ um we are looking at how um how the gospel calls us to have lives that are are anchored they're mm-hmm. rooted deep down it causes us to have some stability in our lives um so we're not uh, pushed around jumping around to different doctrines different thoughts yeah. Um, and that lends itself to a, a great deal of permanence in our lives. Right. And, and really it's the idea that we're not on the fringe of our church community. We're not on the fringe of the Christian faith, but that we're in the center. We're rooted, grounded, growing. And really there's no doubt in our minds that, that we are Christians, that, that our pastor knows that we're Christians. The other people in church know that we are faithfully committed to the gospel. And that doesn't mean we don't have our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But rather, we're bringing those weaknesses to Christ, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, the, the sermon this past weekend focused on Matthew chapter 9, moving into Matthew chapter 10. And I really just focused on one verse because I, th- I felt like it, it spoke to the moment we're in as we're maybe coming out of COVID season, maybe not. Uh, we don't really know. Uh, this idea of Jesus having splugnizomai, right? Uh, mm-hmm deep down in the guts, compassion for the crowds and how the crowds were helpless and harassed, uh, weary and scattered, uh, not rooted, and and how Jesus uh, is the good shepherd, right? He, yeah. he wants to shepherd them. And, you know, a little backstory here. I actually wrote an entirely different sermon. Yeah. And then <laughs> uh, the night before, I said, nope. Uh, but I want to go a little bit deeper into the sermon that I was going to preach Okay. If we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. I think um, that happens a lot, actually. I think 
uh, pastors uh, have to wrestle with the text and then they think, okay, what does my congregation need to hear right now? Right. And, and a lot of times what your original train of thought was going down isn't maybe the what is needed to be preached. And so, yeah, that sounds like a very familiar um, kind Been of there, done that, affliction. Yeah. yeah, where you've written yeah. two sermons, you choose one, and you go for it. So, you know, sometimes I'll preach on just a verse, but mm -hmm. more often than not, I like to take the whole section into yeah. consideration. And so as I read the text, uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, 35 to 10, 15, there's this movement between, uh, so Jesus starts with compassion for the crowds, and that compassion leads him to say to his disciples, pray uh, that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest because the workers are few, but yeah. the harvest is great. And then Jesus actually Does answers his own, his own call for prayer. He appoints the disciples as apostles. That word in Greek means sent ones, his mm -hmm. messengers, who will take his authority and his message and they'll go out into the, uh, the, the cities and the villages of, of Israel proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And so I saw a connection there between uh, people who are like sheep without a shepherd and the good shepherd appoints shepherds, that word shepherd in Greek is the same word for pastor, mm -hmm. uh, to care for them. And so it kind of pushed me deeper into Ephesians chapter 3, which is one of our theme verses, uh, where Paul, uh, in, in, in praying that the, the people of God would be rooted, he also then goes on to talk about uh, pastors and teachers, uh, that office of right. the ministry. So yeah. really to sum up the sermon that I didn't preach that I wanted to preach, and there's reasons why I didn't preach it. Um, I think the reason I didn't preach it is I wanted to have a, a more nuanced conversation like we're having now. Right. Um, Sometimes um, large ideas are hard to come across in one sermon. Right, yeah, and so the, the message of my sermon was going to be to be rooted in Christ means that you need a pastor and you need a church. Right. And I, I want to talk more about that because I think it's essential to being rooted, and that's where the text was kind of leading. Mm -hmm. But also we're living in this time where people can't be in close proximity to their pastor or to their church. And so I just didn't feel like it was a good public message yeah. because I couldn't talk through it like I am with you. Yeah, and so... Just to get the grand scheme of things real quick again, Jesus sees the crowds. He's He has compassion in his guts for them. And the problem that they're facing is they're tossed around. They, they don't mm -hmm. have anyone to lead them. Right. And they're harassed. And we've all seen people like that, you know, in our lives. And maybe we've been we've those been people. We've been there, yeah, yeah, for real. But, you know, I think of uh, for a time I, I worked in a school and I was like a behavioral counselor essentially mm -hmm. after right after university and that's what this may always makes me think of those kids because they were like uh, kids with like bad home lives or some of them had had serious um kind of mental challenges um you know bipolar these kinds of things and they were just they just needed so much they needed right. guidance mm -hmm. they needed shelter they needed direction and so jesus sees the crowds they're like that he then prays to God, the Father, and says, or he, he tells the disciples to pray that God would send out laborers into this great harvest. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then he provides uh, apostles who will go out and actually shepherd these people. Uh, and then you're saying this also appears in, in St. Paul's work. 
He's saying mm-hmm. Jesus is sending out people into the world, and these people are known as pastors. Yeah, and let's take a look at this text now because, okay, so in Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to become very familiar with these words uh, because we speak them responsively in our liturgy, is, is uh, Paul prays that Christ would live in our hearts by faith and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, would have the power through the Holy Spirit to comprehend the, the high, deep, wide, long love of Christ, to know that love that passes all understanding. And then right after he does that, he goes into chapter 4 and kind of like Jesus, you know, like gave the answer to the prayer that he asked his disciples to pray, Paul's going to give an answer to this. Um, he's going he's to show where this prayer is answered. And it's answered in the unity of the church. That's where we get that great one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one God and Father over all. And then, and then we, we get this. I'm going to go ahead and read it now. Yep. Paul says, and he gave the apostles, this is Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, and he gave the apostles, uh, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the shepherds, that's the word for pastor, uh, the pastors and teachers. Um, there's debate, by the way, or, uh, whether pastor and teacher are separate or if pastor and teacher are one, uh, one office. Um, that's a kind of a detailed scholar question. Um, don't know if it makes that much of a difference. Uh, He's given these offices to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And, and when I read that in verse 14, that God gave pastors and teachers and, and these offices in the church so that people wouldn't be tossed to and fro by different teachings and opinions, it made me think of the crowds, right, who were harassed and helpless, tossed back and forth, yeah. Uh, by the teachings of the day. Yeah. I, and I think, so this problem, you know, I think a lot of people, I don't know if they, they have this in mind. They don't think one of the biggest threats to my well-being is these ideas that, mm-hmm. that come my yeah. way in various forms, you know, maybe reading articles online or, or whatever. But there's these grand ideas in the world that, that can push me around, you know, and I like yeah, this right. image mm-hmm. that. Paul gives it's like a child in a sailboat yeah you like we're children tossed around by the wind it's like if it, if you're in a sailboat you got to know what you're doing you know? right right so the image of like a a 10 year old trying to trying to deal with a sailboat is kind of a pathetic image and we don't want to think of ourselves like that right we want to think I'm the master of my destiny I'm the master of my ship mm-hmm. um, but the truth is humans are incredibly susceptible to powerful movements, powerful ideas, and they kind of hijack us. They do, right? They yeah. take us for a ride. Even in where, ways we're not aware of. And, 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 and things become sort of the cultural Kool-Aid that we all drink. I think I mentioned that in a sermon previously where mm-hmm. that uh, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free, I can yeah. do whatever I want, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, we just assume Just America, things. man. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we don't even question if they're true because mm-hmm. we question everything else, 
through that lens. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and really the opposite, I think, of a 10-year-old in a, in a sailboat that's starting to capsize is, is somebody who's mature. We, we have that phrase, mature manhood. So like a fully grown adult who knows how to uh, handle that sailboat, yeah. knows how to, to navigate the waves. And, Hold the and rudder. Right. Straight, yeah, navigate. And um, so the main point that we want to get through on this podcast, and we recognize this might be kind of a new idea, but that's okay, right? Uh, that's why we talk about stuff, uh, is that to be rooted in Christ, one of the most essential cornerstone things, like a non-negotiable in being rooted in Christ, is that you would have a pastor or pastors, and that you would have a church community that you are deeply committed to. Uh, there's no question of of membership. There's there's no question of commitment that you are rooted, right? Because that's God's plan for you. Right. Right. And so, the, yeah, that's what these texts are really saying is, hey, there's this massive problem where you're going to drift. You're going to be harassed and helpless. You're going to be like a toddler in, in, a, in a boat. And the solution that God is giving to you is this office, is this pastoral ministry, uh, these apostles that he sends out with his authority, he mm-hmm. deputizes. And today that continues in the form of uh, pastors, right? Yep. That this, mm-hmm. is the, this is the role. It's not a man-made thing. Uh, and I think many people have that misconception. Oh, the church is just kind of this man-made institution. Like you could have a church without a pastor or not, you know, it just it right. doesn't really matter. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and let me share a quick story from my own life about, you know, I have had the experience of being tossed back and forth. In fact, I spent a, quite a while as a Christian not really rooted in a congregation. And so I don't really know when I became a Christian. You know, <laughs> you know I, I mean, I know when I was baptized. I was baptized when I was five, but yeah. I wasn't under the care of a church then. Yep. And I remember reading Bible stories and stuff. Um, I remember praying, but usually whenever I needed something, <laughs> yeah, uh, something that uh, fit my own view of the world. Help me get I, through this test. Help me to get through this math test, because yeah. I don't get the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> I didn't study. Uh, so, yeah, and, and, uh, but I know that in, in terms of you know, personal faith in Jesus Christ, like he is my Lord and my Savior, that, that the lights came on between my eighth grade year and my freshman year. And I started going to a church, and uh, that church... I mean, a lot of good things happened in my faith there, but but one of the things that, that they impressed was you might not really be a Christian, mm. or you might have gotten saved, but then like you might have lost it during the week, mm. and so like wow. I would get like really pumped up for Jesus at church, and I'd be super excited. I'd be raising my hands, singing the songs, mm-hmm. and and maybe shedding some tears, and 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 then I I'd go out into my week as a as a freshman in high school. <laughs> talk about a challenging time in anybody's life yep. and, you know, struggling with, with sin and just, you know, like what it means to be a, a, a growing person. And, and, and then I'd show up at church and the preacher would be like, you know, some of you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Some of you right need now. to come to this altar. Like you're not really a Christian. You're, you, you, you have backslidden. That was the big mm. phrase is you're backsliding. And, and so I would start to wonder like, well, well, maybe I'm not really a Christian. Maybe when I asked Jesus into my heart, I didn't do it well enough. Maybe I, I didn't accept Christ, and maybe I'm just fooling myself. So I would go up and I would, you know, kneel down and give my life to Jesus all over again. And that mm-hmm. thing happened. I probably did that 20 times. Wow. And I had no no pastor who was 
was going to tell me that, hey, dude, you're in, live the Christian life. But but then I would go to different churches. I would kind of church hop because uh, all of my friends were in different youth groups. And I would go to the the cool youth group that had like skateboarding or that had stuff like that. Cute girls. Cute girls, yep. you know. And so <laughs> that was definitely a motivating factor in it youth was. group. So, <laughs> I know. Um, but there's probably... A, take uh, note, parents. <laughs> take note. Uh, yeah, so... And, and I remember I went to another church, and they, and their message, their pastor's message was, like, you need to listen for the voice of God and, and follow it and be obedient and do what he's called you to do in your high school. Take a stand for Jesus. And, and, if, hmm. and if you're not doing that, you're disobeying, and you're falling out of God's, you know, his favor, his blessing. And then I went to another, like, see you at the pole rally. Do you yep. remember see you at the pole yeah, when you get so. together and pray, pray at school? Yeah, and, and I remember at this different church, this different youth group, this pastor was like, said to this group of kids, like, if you're not 100% sold out following Jesus on fire for him, just get up and leave this room because this room is for people who love Jesus. <laughs> and I'm looking around and I'm like, first of all, nobody gets up and leaves. So these, are, these people are on fire. These people are on fire. And then I thought about my own weaknesses and my own lack of consistent all the time love for God. Which every Christian has to admit, right? Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe I don't belong here. And, and so I share those stories to say that I was in high school tossed back and forth to and fro with every wind and wave of doctrine, this teacher, that teacher. And what I really needed was I needed a pastor. <laughs> I needed a church. I needed some stability, some good teaching, which I eventually found, but it took me a while. So in your case, it was uh, being tossed around by the myriad of different Christian messages. Yeah, right, right. And some of those Christian messages were kind of maybe movements or fads. Yeah. You know, like the what would Jesus do bracelets and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but, you know, even, even into to college, like, you know, I'd go to all kinds of different churches in college. Yeah. It was actually only in seminary when I was forced to be part of a church, uh, Christ <laughs> Memorial Lutheran Church in, in St. Louis, Missouri. That was my fieldwork church. I got assigned there, and you did too, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, and so then I was, for the first time ever, I was in the regular fellowship every week, every Wednesday, every Sunday with other Christians, and that's when I really began to mature, I think. Yeah, so you can be tossed around by different uh by a myriad of different messages. And one of, this is one of the problems that we see right now is most people have inherited this mindset of um, I'll sample. You know, I'm going to sample this, I'm going to sample that. Very few people I've ever met have really done the work to drill down and say, mm-hmm. what is this church going to teach me? What can I expect from them? And what does it mean to be in a consistent fellowship here? Yeah. Because that's a pretty mature question, first of all. And it's it not a, a common one in our day. And I would say even the question of commitments to a church or the question of what a church even teaches is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes people will join a church or even just attend a church because maybe I like the preacher or I like the music or I know some people. But we don't really have this question of, is this church teaching good biblical faithful stuff? Um, yeah. And I remember in my previous congregation, we had this wonderful couple uh, who, who showed up to church. And we would always have, you know, we'd have people show up to church all the time and they'd maybe dip a toe in yep. and then leave. Or maybe just want kind of a, 
a casual kind casual of commitment. Yeah. And well, this couple came. They were coming from a Baptist church, mm-hmm. and and the husband said, "I read the Book of Concord." So the Book of Concord is is a pretty big book. It's the yeah, book of the Lutheran own. Confessions. It's it's what pastors subscribe to as yep. Lutheran pastors were saying. This, this is, is a faithful truth. exposition yeah. of the scriptures. You know, we're committed to this standard of teaching. It's basically the 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 rule and the norm for what we can say or not say right. as pastors. Yep. And 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 because we're saying that this is what the scripture teaches. Um, and so he says, I read the book of Concord, and I'm, my first thought is, okay, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, and we have chosen that we want to join this church because because we agree with its confession of faith. And we believe that it, it is scripturally accurate. And man, that's a unicorn. I know. Like, <laughs> it's like, God happen. bless you. Come right in. Um, well, you know, there was another guy where we both did our vicarage in, in Florida, uh, Matt right. Vesta, uh, Matt and Megan. Okay. Uh, some people we both know, but they were similar in that Matt was like, you know, I I had been uh, thinking a lot about, about religion and Christianity and reading a lot of stuff and I found this church and it's the, it's the faith I've always wanted to practice because mm-hmm. it's, it's just a, cl- it's the most clear. Yeah. But yeah, I think that is a unicorn. Most people are not, um, are not trying, they're not having a systematic approach to say, what does this church believe and why do they believe it? It's more like, uh, I'm going to sample it. If it feels good, you know, the proof is in the pudding, uh, if it tastes good, I'm going to stick around. Yeah. But if it rubs me the wrong way, I'm just going to kind of distance. So I think most yeah. people are kind of on this uh, little less logical path or a little bit more uh, sensation, feeling, navigation. Mm-hmm. And, well, I'll give you an example of this. So another person actually we both know, he was super enamored with Ayn Rand. And if you don't know who Ayn Rand is, she was a, uh, a libertarian uh, writer. She was an atheist too, right? She was an atheist yeah. and very into capitalistic, the market will sort everything out and you shouldn't be kind to people who don't deserve it because you're robbing them of their opportunity to grow. And so he um, he was super into that in high school and he, he was super wrapped up in that and even to the point where he was more interested in that than he was in the scriptures, I would say. And then he got tied in with a few things, uh, a few other things, a few girls. He ended up uh, on the other spectrum politically. He, he was very liberal for a time. Uh, and actually, I talked to him not too long ago, and he, he was talking to me about uh, being connected to uh, Islam in some way because he had traveled the world. And I just think of him as someone who is tossed around, right? He's, he's been on five different trains, five different boats, five different directions, you know, all different doctrines pushing him one way or the other. And to someone like that, I would just say, man, just come under, come under the guidance of the church. Like, stop sampling. You cannot sample Jesus. Like, come under mm-hmm. the authority of Jesus and come under the whole picture that the church is giving you and especially through the the work of the pastors in your life just trust me you know and and I want to be clear here you know in saying that you need a pastor and that you need a church um that may not be here mm-hmm. uh and so like if somebody comes to our church and they say you know 
I'd really like to become a member of the church. And then you go through the teaching and you say, this is what we believe the scriptures say. Uh, this is, you know, good and faithful doctrine. And somebody says, you know, I don't, I don't really think I agree with you. Then we'll continue to study. And if you find a church that you think that you're convinced more faithfully more teaches faithful. the scriptures, then go for it. Um, I just want people to care. You know, I would rather have people join a church or not join a church because they have their Bibles open. Yeah. Rather than have people join a church or not join a church because, well, the pastor said something that upset me or I like the music or I don't like the music. Or yeah. So there, there's good reasons and bad reasons to join a church. Um, most of the bad reasons are convenience reasons. Or, or personal preference reasons. Yeah. You know, in fact, I even, I got together with a couple of pastors here in town uh, from a couple of different well-known churches here in Kearney, and we were talking about this question of what do we do when people from our church shows up at your church? Yeah. And vice versa. And and wonderful conversation because uh, all of us as pastors in Kearney, we know this is a problem that people will hear a message faithfully preached, you know, God's word, They'll get offended, and they'll just go to a next church, or maybe they'll have beef with somebody. You know, they'll yeah. they'll get in a fight. They'll be frustrated. They won't like somebody, and instead of resolve it, then they'll go to another church. And yes, these churches, these pastors that I've been speaking with, we do have. While we are united around the main things of the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments and and basic biblical stuff, we do have some very important differences when it comes to, say, the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Or to baptism. Uh, or, yeah, the way of salvation. The way right? of salvation, yeah. you know, and things like that. And so, um, and, and, but we all are concerned that people will kind of float, right? That people will yeah. go back and forth. Because what happens is that nobody ever grows. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're planted in one garden and you get moved to another one and another one, I mean, your roots are exposed and yeah. you're just not going to grow. Well, and I think the, um, the call to community, the call to be in, gathered in Christ, sometimes that's going to be uncomfortable. It's like you have to deal with your mother-in-law in the same church, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. And you have to c- deal with that in a Christian way, and that means forgiveness growth and patience, sanctification, yep. which often is uncomfortable. But when we get uncomfortable, we back out. Um, we find, you know, we find we're not growing. And, and I think it's, it is a huge problem. And I think a good analogy would be, you know, doc, uh, physicians. It's like, if you have a doctor who's treating your, your cancer, let's say, right, mm-hmm. and he's like committed to your cancer treatment and he's done the homework, he's doing the studies, he's looked mm-hmm. at all your results and he's come to this uh, conclusion for your treatment. And then when you start taking that treatment and you something's wrong, you don't like it or whatever, before you talk to him, you just go find another physician, right? And then you start right. another treatment, maybe a concurrent treatment, you know, with some other physician. And then you don't like that physician. You go find another physician. You mm-hmm. start taking his medications. And all of a sudden, you're on three different types of cancer treatments, and nothing is tailored for you right yeah and there's there's a great betrayal actually of trust of the pastors and then there's conflict between the two physicians let's say right yeah and so that's the kind of thing you know that we why we need to be called into into a community and have a specific pastor called to our care because um we want 
that God-given pastor to be able to do as Christ has called him to do, to, to bring the medicine of the gospel, mm-hmm. to correct and to reproof, to, to um, bring correction into our lives. And we don't want to be tossed around all over the place. One of the things that we did in this meeting with other pastors here in town is we, we made a very detailed list of why people might leave churches. And, and it, in the list, we realized that most of the reasons were bad reasons mm-hmm. or not so helpful reasons, reasons that don't reflect maturity uh, and that don't establish growth. We did come up with a couple good reasons. And uh, a couple good reasons would be, you know, if there's maybe spiritual abuse, you know, right. like, like maybe your church is, is sort of veering toward cultish behavior or yeah. they're just like really like such an overwhelming negativity and just like cruelty oppression and cruelty. And, and let's be clear, if your pastor says something that offends you, that's not spiritual abuse. Not cruelty, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, we're talking about like, like pastoral malpractice, yeah. you know, if there's some kind of abuse in the church. Another reason would be if you have a doctrinal disagreement. So mm-hmm. for example, if you, let's say that you are a Roman Catholic and then you realize, you know, I believe that the uh, Reformation teaching on, on saved by grace alone through faith alone for the sake of Christ alone is, is what scripture really says. And then you leave the fellowship of the Roman church and you come into the fellowship of a, of another denomination that teaches those things. That's a good reason. Yeah. Is that you're just, you're just convinced. You're convinced. Yeah. Yeah. It's a matter of conscience, but by and large, I think that a lot of the reasons that we don't join a church or that we leave a church or that we float around, um, it's usually not great motives. Yeah. More, more human, uh, comfort motives. Yeah. So at this point, you know, we always want this podcast to be practical. And so we're going to talk about some pro tips, you know, like if you're hearing this, this podcast, you might be rooted and grounded in a church. Uh, that's cool. Keep doing it. Encourage others to do so. Um, but we want to just talk about a couple of things that might impact you where you are right now. The first thing is that, you know, just realizing that, that the call for you to be rooted and grounded in a congregation under the care of a pastor or pastors and elders, that is not just like our opinion. That, that's scripture. That is God's plan is that you would be part of a, of a local church community. That's his design for you to grow and be healthy. I mean, you can't read the letters of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians and the, and the Philippians and the Colossians without seeing that. I oh, mean, it's, it's basic. all over the place. Yeah. yeah, we're called into a community. Uh, the second thing we would encourage you to do is to understand your church's doctrine. Understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to have a PhD but if you have a basic working knowledge of of the doctrine of your church, you're more resilient. You know, you're more, and you can you can navigate some of those emotional pushes and pulls. Yeah. When you say, "Oh man, I didn't really like that," but is he giving me God's word? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or is is he off base? And if he is off base, you could actually correct your pastor according yeah, for to sure. scriptures. And I hope so. Yeah. Like I, you know. I preached a sermon once a long time ago where I said to the congregation, like, hey, guys, if I ever preached something that was not true, would you call me on it? And not only would you call me on it, would you know? Yeah. Because you, I, I would love it if everybody in the church knew their Bibles better than I do. Yeah. I mean. Agreed. 
go for it. And I, I think that that would be a church that is built up into the head, right? Into Christ, yeah. uh, into unity, because they're mm-hmm. not tossed around. And pastors are not trying to garner followers for themselves, right? But they're We're trying not to used build. car salesmen, right? That's We're right. not just, you know, like trying <laughs> to get people to sign the dotted line, right? I yeah. mean, and honestly, I'll say this again. If somebody's convinced that, that another church has a more faithful exposition of Scripture, if they're teaching it more faithfully, um, by all means. Yeah. Okay, L- but let's at least have our Bibles open. Yeah. Here's a gut question for you, Pastor John. If you came across a church that was better doctrinally sound than our own Lutheran confessions, would you be led to to change your church affiliation? That's a great question. I've thought about that before, and I actually wrote this in the margin of my Bible somewhere. It might be in Acts somewhere. Um, I want to be part of a church that looks like, that smells like, that tastes like the New Testament. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to be. And granted, I'll be honest, being in the, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, I think that we have the right doctrine, but I don't think that we fully understand it and that we fully follow it and that we, we don't. Because one of the, the, the chronic things I've seen is that in Lutheran churches, my experience is that most people don't know their Bibles. Weird, huh? Weird, because <laughs> we're supposed to be, you <laughs> people know, People of like the word. People of the word, I mean, like the, yeah, and and... And I think that a lot of that's a cultural thing. I think a lot of that, there's some history there uh, where maybe we've just kind of welcomed people into membership without teaching them carefully. Um, I think that's part of it. And that's a, that's a problem a lot of churches it is, have. Yeah. It's, and that's not to shame anybody because, you know, like we all start out not knowing the word. We need to learn it. But yeah. you learn it as you're under the faithful care and practice and preaching of, it, of a pastor. Yeah, I, I remember just a little side tangent. I was talking to a... Uh, somehow I, I ended up in like this charismatic um, Catholic group for a time. I was visiting my dad in Buffalo and he was connected with this group that was trying to like pray into the city and maybe bring some new social um, needs into the city. And uh, anyway, I was talking to this guy and he was like, oh yeah, Lutherans, they're about like jello salad and potlucks, right? <laughs> and I was so offended because I, <laughs> I was like, no, man. And then I thought about it for a second you know, and I was like, well, maybe that is what we're known for is kind of this yeah. cultural green jello salad, you know, rather than we should be known as, you know, the church that is so rooted in doctrine and loving the neighbor. Right. Yeah. You know, and res- like just have this beautiful liturgy and those are the things we should be known for. But anyway, so we should know the doctrines of our church and we should be confident in them. And if I, you're not, drill down. I have a similar story from St. Louis where I, I met with a, a guy who was a missionary uh, who was kind of coming into the Lutheran Church and, and learning our doctrines. And, and I had made the statement that, that our heritage as is, is a, is a Lutheran Church is that we're focused on preaching. And he goes, what? <laughs> He's like, you, you, your church body doesn't strike me as a preaching church. And I was like, man, shame on us because yeah. <laughs> we, we have, Luther was a preacher. Yeah. Uh, he said it was the most important part of the the, ser- the service. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> one thing here, just a last thing to close on, uh, a practical point is, you know, find a church, get a church membership, get rooted and grounded, and then be radically committed to your church. Yeah. I mean, be committed to the people, be committed to the fellowship, be committed to worship, be committed to serving with those Christians, because that is where God does wonderful things. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we get all wrapped up in politics and stuff these days, and 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 all these things, and 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 those are those things are important, but but the place where God can really do good change in the world is through a local church, a, a group of believers who are committed to one faith and to one expression of love together. One group of people too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I th- I think um, you know to stereotype um our generation you know millennials we're like grandpa millennials we are i don't even know i think i'm a (laughs) pre-millennial yeah uh kind of end of gen x there but i don't know whatever yeah there's a a gap uh but anyway kind of to stereotype our generation and maybe gen x too is this kind of this flakiness you know where we're going to be committed as long as it suits me and we're going to think a certain way unless I come across another thought, but I'm not really going to challenge it. I'm not going to open myself up to critique. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, we are kind of the outcome of this radical individualization that's happened in our world. We look at our iPhones. It brings us a billion products on Amazon. We can just click it. It'll be there right, in yeah. one day now. Um, and so, you know, for, for millennials, think about this, think about this. If if you don't have a community that's gonna help anchor you, you're all you are gonna be your own god. You really are. And you need a, a community that's gonna critique everything else. Yes. On a, on a, yeah. And you know, if you wanna be edgy, <laughs> yep. if you wanna be countercultural, if you wanna go against the grain of society, become a member of a church. I mean because yeah. nobody else is doing that. You know it's the only punk rock left. <clears throat> The, the only punk rock left is to <laughs> join a church and be faithful to it. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and, and I want to just say this last word in closing, you know, to this question of church membership. Some people might say that church membership is legalism. Some people might say that, um, that reminds me of a, of a song by Flame. Flame has that song, Move. I love that song. And he says, uh, quit church hopping homes. Yeah, quit church hopping homes. <laughs> Get a church membership. That ain't legalism. That's Christianity. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's Christianity, right, is to, is to be rooted in a community. And, and, and church hopping kind of undermines that. Not that we might have a season where we're looking for a church, but um, if we move to a new community. But why might we not join a church? And I just want to help people to think through that. What's your motivation for not committing to a body of believers? Is it maybe that you're trying to preserve some tradition in your family? Like, okay, I'm Roman Catholic, but I really want to go to the Lutheran church because maybe I like the preaching better. Yeah, I just don't want to shame grandma. But I don't want to shame grandma yeah. or grandpa. I don't want to cause a rift in the family. Mm-hmm. But but is, does, is that integrity, right? Is that telling the truth? Uh, or, you know, I just don't really see like the like I, I guess I guess what I would ask is if if you're not a member of a church, if you're attending a church but you're not a member, well why not? Yeah. Like what's the reason? Can you give a valid reason? Um and if to be a member means that you're committed to the teaching, you're committed to the people, you're committed to the fellowship, then why wouldn't we do that? And I think that maybe just we as churches in general haven't done a good job of communicating what membership is. Mm-hmm. And by the way, membership is a is kind of a crappy word. Uh, yeah, because or it's been co-opted. It, it's a biblical word, right? It is, yeah. But you can be a member at Sam's Club. Right. You can be a member at Planet Fitness, which yeah. I haven't been to for months. Yeah. You can be a member of the Rotary Club. But right. And, and we find even that some organizations have a higher standard for membership than churches do. That's right. 
So. Even things like the Rotary Club likely do, you know. Uh, it's like you haven't been here for six months or whatever, or you're not, you know, following these kind of guidelines, and and therefore, you know, we're going to part ways. But I think a church membership, what we're doing together is we want to follow Christ. We want to be rooted in Him. We want to be mm-hmm. uplifted in Him, and we want to be saved from the doctrines that push us around mm-hmm. and the false doctrines of this world. And we recognize that that's not easy all the time. We're not going to be able to do it alone. Right. And as you are a member of a church, as you're rooted and grounded in a church, it's not always going to be comfortable, but it's going to lead you through seasons of maturity where you rejoice with those who rejoice in your congregation when you have seasons of growth. You weep with those who weep when you Mm -hmm. go through seasons of of loss. Um, You walk through painful, difficult things and joyful things together. Uh, you resolve conflicts, right? Yeah. You learn the maturity of of being in a hospital full of other sinners, where sometimes we sneeze and vomit on each other, right? Yeah. Uh, gross. That's gross, but um, true story. True yeah. story. But all right. Well, good. Well, thanks for coming along for this. Uh, I appreciate the conversation, Pastor John, and uh, we're gonna. Be back here next week with another episode of Every Moment His. We're continuing through the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 10 this week, so you can check out what Jesus says there, and we'll be preaching on that this Sunday. God's peace be with you. Peace.